2: Hi, everyone. This is the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast, an iHeartRadio and Dan Patrick Podcast Network production. I'm Alan Nevins. And I'm Joey Santos. And this week, we're going to dive a little bit into the music industry, because we have one of Joey's great friends... The queen of disco and the R&B scene, Linda Clifford. Well, you know, Linda's been making major hits since
0: the 70s with songs like If My Friends Could,
2: could see, see Me, me Now the Bridge
0: Over Troubled, troubled Water And Run Away Love Red Light And so many more. I mean, I couldn't get off the dance Remember before. Red Light from I do. I do. Red, it was one of my favorite songs on that album. From Paramount Records to Capitol Records, She Seen It All, Sang It All, and been through it all.
2: I can't wait to talk to her. I have so many questions. So let's grab a drink and dive in. Joey, what is this? Why wh- wh- There's no cocktail. What's this little tiny glass in front of us? What do you mean there's no cocktail? Well, because I
0: named it after Shoot Your Best Shot, which is one of Linda's songs. All right. I know that I've had that kind of week. And I know that you had that kind of week, too. I've had that kind of day. Could I have your shot, too? No, you cannot. <laughs> but so a shot, I think, is apropos. And then we we don't have to just do one. We could do a few shots. We're going to do more than yeah. one. Don't So worry. she loves rum. So I added um, one part, coconut rum, one part of kinky pink. What is kinky pink? It's a, it's a liqueur. Okay, it's a liqueur. A liqueur. Called kinky pink? Kinky pink, yeah. Some peach schnapps. Which, which, which I love. Which is also a liqueur. Which I love. And then you do a little splash of grenadine, which is not a lequy, and uh, you rim the uh, shot glass with some pink sugar, and then you shoot it.
2: How, how do you get pink sugar? You
0: never bought pink sugar before?
2: Mm-mm. Are you going to buy it that way? Yeah. I didn't know that. that, way. that. Mm-hmm. All right, moving along, as Alan likes to say, moving right along. Let's find out how your week was since you needed to do this shot. You must have had a tough week. No, it's
0: just been a, it's been a busy week, and I've had a lot of early calls. So. Three o'clock in the morning, had to wake up, had to be on set by 4, 4.30. Right. So, oh, yeah. so now the punchiness is starting to make day, sense. Yeah, because it's the last <laughs> week of work Right. on this film that I've been doing for the last four months,
2: which has been amazing. But, yeah, it's all winding down. So, um, Any tidbits you can give us? Anything you can tell us? Any exciting people on the set? Yes, many. But I'm not saying shit. Well, that's what I was afraid you were going to
0: say. But I will tell you. It's been a great experience, as they all have been and are, and uh, I'm just winding down, and then we're wrapping, and uh, yeah, but it's it's been a lot of work. And then, you know, it's not like my, I don't have another life outside of work, so you do one thing, you start at three o'clock in the morning, and then you, you know, you're going all day, and then all afternoon and evening, and then you have a real life at home, and I literally have, you know, anywhere between 12 and 16-hour days,
2: and this cocktail is working really good right now. This little shoot-your-bed shot has been shot. Well, let me ask you, do you listen to music when you're cooking? I mean, you're cooking, but do you have things going? Do you have a TV on? Do you have – what do you no, – No, no TV, but I do –
0: music for me is from the minute I get up to the minute I go to bed, you know, and it's all over the place. You know, every, I, you know and I think I've said this before, I'm not a favorite kind of guy, but I don't have favorites, Everything for me is in the moment, so it's uh, it's in the, the mood I'm in. So I, I go. I thought from classic, I was your
2: favorite. You are my favorite. Okay, well know. that's right. That's just you heard it, folks.
0: No, but I mean, for 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 me, it's it's what I'm in the moment of, and that becomes my favorite. So it could be music, it could be food, it could be, and uh, you know, whatever that thing that motivates me for that moment, or that just centers me for that moment, is what I subscribe to. Yeah.
2: I get that. I used to have favorites when I was younger as I grew older. You don't have favorites. You have. If you label as a favorite,
0: then where do you go from there? Right. Then you're pigeonholed. Oh, that's right. Alan's favorite there. thing. That's Joey's favorite thing. Well, that was my favorite thing on Tuesday. What music defines
2: your childhood? And I mean, really young, going back to the 1800s. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. oh my God. I don't know when it was, and it probably wasn't the first song I heard, but I remember the first song that I would listen for on the radio when I was lying in bed at night when I was quite young, probably five or six years old. What was it? Sugar, Sugar by the Archies.
0: Sugar, sugar,
2: ah, oh honey, honey. Do you remember oh that song?
0: honey, honey.
2: I remember that oh, for yeah. some reason. I remember you that were my song. You candy girl. And then not far and after I that, of course, came the Partridge family. I can hear your heart beat. And you didn't oh, even Lord. say a word. Yeah. God, that was stink, wasn't it? <laughs> I loved it. I know, but
0: now it's stink. But then it's not it was so like, stink if you listen with to it. Bell, you know, with uh, bell bottoms and
2: vest. And you had platform. You used to wear platform shoes. I never had platform. I was too young <laughs> for platform. Don't think I wouldn't have. But I was too young to be wearing platform <laughs> shoes.
0: When I was a little, little kid. That's what I'm talking about. I love about. The
2: Beatles. The Beatles. You know, help. Uh, you are older Everybody
0: than I am. Help. I loved all that stuff. Right. If you looks into my
2: music list, it's everywhere. Well, it's interesting coming into your house because Andrew has his music list, and then you have your music list. Andrew is my partner, and he's several years older than I. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> In spirit, mm-hmm. we just blend into the into the moment, and then he goes, "Okay, can we change this now?" Sure, change it. And then uh, then I'll say, "Uh, can we change that now?" Sure, change it. That's the beauty of, of all of that. By the way, did you ever spend time going to the opera? I did a few times. I slept through three. My first opera was Fledermaus. Yeah. I was in Munich at the opera house in Munich, Germany. I was probably about 24. And I was dating this guy. He was an amazing guy. He was very cultured. And, and we went to see Fledermaus. And uh, I was so embarrassed because I
1: was out asleep. like
0: a... Not just a little nap during one or two arias. I was out from curtain up to curtain down. We dated for exactly, how long was the opera? An hour?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Three hours, I'm sure.
0: (laughs) I didn't make dinner. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) whatever that little cocktail intermission, that's as far as we got. Then I was like, okay, I'm going back to my hotel.
2: I'm out. You met my friend Jared in England. Yes. Yeah, when he and I met through Joan because we were in the south of France. And, Joan Colleen. And she said, you know, we've got to find you. We've got to find somebody for you. And we started flipping through Instagram. And she put a picture of me on her Instagram. And she said, "My, you know, my my manager or whatever you know, needs a date. And we got thousands and thousands of people answered her. And that night, she and I sat up flipping through all these people. And there was Jared.
0: Oh, yeah. I remember this
2: story. And he was living in Portugal at the time. We thought that he, you know, looked like a lot of fun. And he and I started talking and we became very friendly. And then it turns out one of my summers I spent in Portugal. So we got to meet. And it was a great friendship. We just immediately got along and we, you know, started going and doing things Key together. Keyword friendship. Friendship. Yeah, it was friendship. <clears throat> He's a big opera fanatic. He loves the opera, right? Yeah. He called one day and he said, Oh, you know, my friend, she's performing in operas all around the world, and she's gonna be performing in Los Angeles. He said I think you should go see her you're going you would love her and she's doing hits from Wagner's rings or something. And I said great. And he said I'm going to arrange with her to get you two tickets and I she and I started connecting and I had just met Will. You know, I didn't I surprised him I said I have a surprise for you thinking oh god this could be deadly right taking someone to hear opera on a first date. And for me it was new too. It was not something I had really done. Right. So we got there, and she had arranged those center two seats in the front of the balcony, so you had this unbelievable view. And so he was rather impressed by that. But then we went downstairs, and we got to meet her, and we had a great time. And then jumping forward, I looked up what the opera season was at the this incredible outdoor ancient arena. I actually think it was built in the mid-1800s, but it was based on something that was already there. It's called the Svisterio. And it is in the hilltop town of Macerata, which is a cute little city. It's really a little city in Italy. And I looked up to see what was playing, and lo and behold, she's there in an opera. So I contacted her on Facebook. I said, you know, we're here in Italy. You're at this place just a few miles from us that I've always wanted to go to. And I said, we'd love to come. And she said, we'll come the first night. I'll arrange tickets. She arranged 10 tickets in the very front row of this performance outdoor in this ancient theater. It's all stone. It was incredible. And we saw this performance that we thought was amazing. Then I came back now thinking, oh, I'm all enlightened for opera, right? This is, this is my new thing. Jared then says, oh, you need to go see this opera downtown. You've got to go see it. I could not have been more bored. I was like, I'm going to kill these people. The sets were amazing, by the way. Beautiful, gorgeous. I'm not going to tell you what, the, what it was. But I hated it. I absolutely detested it. It was so horrible. So you know, opera can be like anything. It can be a give and take. I mean, there's country music I love, and country music is like, stop the twang! You're driving me crazy, right?
0: Yeah. It's just...
2: And then the guy that she's singing to,
0: and he's like. Whoa. <laughs> It's just not about a pen. Well, now that we're
2: here, so tell me, what is the guilty pleasure music that you listen to that you don't want to admit to anybody and you're going to admit it to me here right now? There was an old
0: Barbra Streisand song from the 60s called Gotta Move, Gotta Move, Gotta Get Out, Gotta Leave This Place,
2: Gotta Find Some Place. That would be a guilty pleasure. What's yours? I guess my guilty pleasure would be... At the moment, 3435 by Ariana Grande. Oh, surprising. <laughs> if you can add, can <laughs> <Did> I ever? <sighs> I'm almost afraid to ask, but we do have an audience question for you. Oh, Lord have mercy. No, oh, it's my turn now, usually yes. you get them. He's asking, My dream job would be to be a personal chef for an actor on a movie set. Any advice how I can get started into that world?
0: There's something you have to realize in any job. It's a job. The one thing that I've learned or that I would say to somebody that says, I want to work for a celebrity or I want to do a job in Hollywood for this, that and the other thing. Just do your job. Do it well. Be prepared. And understand that just because they're friendly, just because they have a relationship with you for work, doesn't mean that they're your friend. You know, and if you develop that friendship outside of work, that's all what that is. But just don't go into it thinking, oh, I want to be friends with, you know, with Lady Gaga because I'm cooking for her. That doesn't work like that. Just do a great job. Be prepared. Be on time. Be early. Do a great job. And if you're cooking, know all the stuff about it. And realize that you don't come in there with some recipe that you want to do. Gear everything to what they want, to their diet, to their needs, to their desire. And then you'll find success in that. But just leave out the part that it's in Hollywood it has to be the same for everybody everybody you work for if you work in a restaurant if you work for a chef it's got to be the same thing your
2: intention has to be exactly to do the best job you can do and please them so interesting you should bring that up because so many people ask i know they ask you i've heard them and they ask me about you know being friends with people of some note and the bottom line is they want a friend they don't want a fan There's
0: an old saying about familiarity breeds contempt. You can't walk in there like, hey, girl, what's going on with you today? That's your first day and your last. You know, you just can't assume that your presence warrants this immediate attraction. That comes from all the things that we are supposed to bring, and that's loyalty. And there is no price for that. I've always said... There's not enough zeros to ever make me leave work feeling like a zero. You know what I mean, I come in there to please you to do my job as I would do any job. I'm there early. I'm efficient and I'm loyal and I don't talk shit.
2: So coming up, we have one of the original disco divas, Linda Clifford. We'll be right back. So Joey, this is your friend. Would you like to introduce her? Yes, the
0: one and only Linda Clifford, who I adore. <laughs> I've known you now for quite a quite a while. We met uh in Tuck days when I had um Jojo's Americana. Yes. I want, I wanted you to come and perform there, but we never we never managed to make that work between your schedule and and you know everything is
2: so seasonal there, so.
0: So wait but, a minute,
2: she came into your restaurant. That's how you met? No,
0: we met actually through a mutual friend, Kirk Johnson. I've always been a fan of Linda's. And, uh, and I had my restaurant at that time. And we were um, having entertainment perform at the restaurant uh, during the summer months. And I thought, oh, what a great idea to ask Linda. She lives in Chicago. If she would come in, we'd you know, have her come in and uh, do a weekend with us. And uh, we, the timing was off because she was booked on other engagements. But that's how we met. And then we became friends from there. She came to our wedding. You and
2: Nick, your husband, Nick. Such
1: a beautiful event.
2: Yeah, it was fun, too. I was there. That's where I met you for the first time. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe the only time. (laughs) No, you were at Joey's party. You've been at a party here that I... Dinner party. When you were in town. Yeah.
1: I think Uh I brought my daughter with me for that one.
0: Yeah, your your daughter was with us, and Philip
2: was with us, Andrew. We have the whole... If I recall, your daughter is really gorgeous. She's kind of cute. I remember her being quite fun. She oh my
1: god yeah she is she's pretty smart too you know she got that from her mother she's just on top of everything so yeah i i think that uh she added to the evening a little bit
2: i remember she was great fun she was terrific to talk to yeah yeah she is i also uh please let her know that
0: i still have the bracelet she gifted me and I wear it often.
1: Oh, that's so nice. I will tell her that for sure.
0: Every podcast, I create a cocktail for our guests with them in mind. And I named it after Shoot Your Best Shot. Ah. And this is a shot. And we know you like rum. Yes. So this is, in your honor, the Shoot Your Best Shot. And there you go. This Alan and I have both had crazy weeks. I don't know about yours, but <laughs> this week was a lot. So... We normally do a cocktail, but we thought, we need a shot. Do it. <laughs> so here it is. This Cheers. is to you and Nick. Cheers. Salud. Salud. All right. I shot my best shot right now.
1: Yay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Been a while since I've seen both of you. So, um, you know, with what's going on in the world and everybody being locked away, I, I haven't been able to see too many people. And to see you smiling there was nice. <laughs>
2: Well, we're all happy because our pod has now all been vaccinated.
1: That's fabulous. You know, we're just, you know, in the Midwest, we're a little bit behind. So, um, you know, I got my first shot last week. So I have a couple of weeks to wait, and then I'll get my last one. I'm dying to get on an airplane and go somewhere.
2: Yeah, no, I have to do the same thing. I have had my first shot yesterday.
0: Good for you. Yeah, my second one is, our second one, Andrew and mine, is... uh, in five days, so we'll be we'll be complete, which will be great, Linda. I will say this one thing, and then, and then we can move forward. But I, I, you are on the same page as I am, as Alan is. We went through the AIDS epidemic, oh, and we and we know what we've lost. We know what we've learned. We also know that as much as they didn't know, is as much as they're still learning about it. Yes, It's not cured. It hasn't gone away. It's manageable, and it's you know but when they said to us if you do this and that you can avoid that and d- did i not hesitate at all i am healthy and happy and here and and so is all of my closest friends because we all were like minded and we and we took the advice and the and the knowledge the information right. applied it And I never bitched about, oh, well, I have to wear a condom. Well, you know what? I didn't have to wear a condom because I wasn't having nobody's sex. Yes. I don't have to be scared twice.
1: (laughs) I'm not out there doing the do.
0: You know? Right. But, I mean, and that was that. And this is, I can't not breathe. You see what I'm saying? So that's the difference. I could choose not to have sex with someone. I can choose not to have a transfusion. I can choose to avoid uh, transmission in, in a certain way at that time. Sure. We don't have a choice when it comes to this. There are still people that do all the right things that are still susceptible. So just get over yourself in that regard and realize that it's bigger and we're still learning and growing and we just need to, if we have some things at work, just do it and it will be done with it. All right. Enough about that damn right, virus. Right, now let's
2: go back to some fun times. And the But disco. speaking of But, but <laughs> speaking of that time that you were talking about, Joey, back to the AIDS crisis. Linda, did you ever perform at the Saint? Yes. More than once?
1: No, only once.
2: Do you remember it?
1: I do. It was kind of um difference
2: (laughs) it was alan's
0: favorite place in new york
1: i loved it the crowd was incredible The, the club itself was incredible
2: yeah it was amazing for sure. There are not clubs like that anymore. They don't exist like that.
1: They don't. And you know what? Even the smaller clubs where you used to go to really um, you know, practice your your craft and you know, you work your yourself up, you work your way up through the different club circuits and that kind of stuff. They don't have that anymore.
2: What do you remember about the Saint?
1: One of the things I remember was the lighting, but the, there was just the most amazing light show kind of thing that went on.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it was in that dome.
1: Yes. Oh, yes. That's right.
2: It was one of those domes with the planetarium thing in the middle, with that little projector.
1: That's right.
2: They could make the whole room tilt and things.
1: Oh, my God. That, I remember that being so fabulous. And I wanted to stay <laughs> and, uh, and hang out. I wanted to, you know, uh, they asked me to come and do, uh, and they were very specific about women performing in the club, first of all. And whoever the management was or, you know, he said, nope, you do one song and I don't care if they like it or if they don't like it. You do one song and then you get off the stage. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So I did one song. They were going to tear the place apart. I mean, they were freaked out. It was just so awesome. We had such a good time, because I like to play with the audience, you know, and yeah. and yeah. I did my one song and I left.
2: <laughs> and what time did they ask you to perform? 3 a.m., 4 a.m.?
1: I think it was 3 or 3.30. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: Especially in New York. The place, just for people listening that don't know, it didn't even open until midnight. Yeah. And if you got there before 1, it was empty.
1: That's right. Oh, Yeah. I remember being in the dressing room and thinking, boy, there's nobody here yet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It got packed around three or four. Yeah. And then people started, you know, the sun was up. All I remember is everybody telling me, remember to bring your sunglasses. I was like, why would I bring my sunglasses? But when you when left, you exit. the sun was up and you'd been in the dark for six hours.
0: And especially then in New York, that was, the, that was it. Everybody wore black. That was our... Color of the day. Everybody was in black. Wherever we went, everybody dressed in black.
1: That's right.
0: Um, You did some clubs here in L.A. too, didn't you? I did. Do you remember Studio One? Studio One, The Probe. The Probe. That's what I was getting to, yeah. Because The Probe would start later. So that would be like everybody would go to studio and do all that stuff. And then around 2 o'clock, studio would close. And Probe would start it too. Where was Probe? On Highland, North Highland Avenue. But here's the funny part. So Probe would go till 6 in the morning. And then it was a huge club. And then underneath Probe, or next door to Probe, was a place called Greg's Blue Dot. And on Sunday morning at 6 a.m., Greg's Blue Dot would open. And then everybody would call it Church. <laughs> because after Probe... <laughs> and after Probe, we'd go to Church, which is Greg's Blue Dot, and we'd party there till like... Twelve in the you know till noon, and then we'd all go to brunch. I mean, I don't know how we survived. I mean, forget AIDS. I don't know how we just survived the club circuit.
1: It was incredible.
0: It was incredible. The one thing that I do remember that we laughed about, they would do it in the clubs here in L.A. I I guess they did it in New York too, but or but especially in the gay clubs, they would do a um, open toe shoe policy, and that was to limit the amount
2: of women that would come into. The club because it was there were gay bars.
1: No way, <laughs> so, it was so, two
2: things though. It was they to eliminate, but how many of those girls complained because somebody would step on their open toes because, yeah, places but it were was packed. it was basically just but to, they used to, it for both.
0: A glamorous woman can get in anywhere, but then you have you know the not so, yes, and then <laughs> and you know, we were a little snobby back then, of
1: course, back but then,
0: anyway. So, what we would do, so if they tried to throw shade at certain friends, um. And, you know, my especially the girls I knew were not going to trade their pumps for anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? They were not going to not wear a, a sandal or a high heel or whatever the thing was. So I would go into the club. I would take off my shoes, throw it out the
1: window, <laughs> go to the bathroom
0: at Studio One, throw it out the window. They'd catch it from the parking lot, put those on, come in, and then put their regular high heels on once they were
1: in. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: I know. We'd always find a way.
1: That's fabulous. I love it.
2: So, Linda, I did a little research on you. You did? I did. Uh-oh. And it turns out that your landmark recordings have spent a total of 60 weeks at number one on Billboard Magazine's dance charts. That's over a year of Linda.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> Too much, huh? No, no, not enough.
2: Are you kidding? You're amazing.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, you know, I'm so grateful for that whole experience of having... Uh, Song on the charts, and um, you know, the life that it's enabled me to have compared to you know what my life was like before I started recording, you know, and which believe me was not terrible. I always knew I wanted to sing, but you know, it, to sing in nightclubs uh, for your whole life. You know, when you're working, especially a city like Chicago, you know, a lot of places, uh, people say, oh, I work five days a week, blah, blah, blah. Well, in Chicago, you don't do that. You you work six hours a night, you're singing. So, you know, the, you really are building up your chops. So it's very difficult. It's hard on the body. After a while, you get, you know, you become very tired. And then all of a sudden, uh, to have this career in the recording industry and to be able to travel and have new experiences and meet incredible people, you know, it's just a whole different different lifestyle. So, yeah, 60 weeks is a good thing. I'm happy.
0: <laughs> Very good it's thing. And then thing. you got inducted recently, too, into the Hall of Fame.
1: <laughs> you know, I've been blessed to have some really great experiences. But I think I've made so many wonderful friends you know, in my travels because of this, you being one of them, but many, many people that will come to the show and, you know, how sometimes you just click with people. And I've had that experience so many times with fans. And, uh, you know, over the years, we continue, we stay in touch. We talk on the phone where that doesn't happen normally. I mean, that's just not a normal thing. And I'm so grateful For that, more than anything.
2: Well, back in the day, you know, singles used to have an A-side, which was the hit side, hopefully, and a B-side.
1: Right. So if the
2: A-side was one of your greatest achievements, what would that be? And then what would the flip side be, one of your low moments?
1: I would have to say being inducted into the African American Museum.
2: Oh, which I haven't been to. Have you been?
1: You know, we were supposed to go when this whole thing happened. You know, they feature my, uh, one of my albums and, and that kind of thing. And I just, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't stand it. You know, I'm beclimped. So I haven't seen it. I, a friend of mine who did manage to get there took a photo. <laughs> so he sent it back to me. So that was a high. Um, as far as the low, let you know, there are periods, I think, when you travel... You meet a lot of wonderful people, but occasionally you meet... Not so. ...who are not so <laughs> wonderful.
2: Are we talking about the South?
1: Honey, Alan, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you're up, you're high, you're happy, you're, you know, everything is great. And then, and then
2: they have to do something really awful to bring it all down.
1: Right. And so, yeah. um, you know, I that experience I've dealt with a few times in my life, you know, because, I, you know, I am an African-American woman. I've marched, I've cried, I've, you know, all of the things that go along with it, you know, especially last summer, my husband and I marched and (laughs) not for long, because like I said, we're old, but
0: (laughs) it's not, you know, Linda. You always try and put that in there, but the fact of the, the what I know for sure, for certain, yeah. it's not that she's old or we're old. No, it's because she was wearing high heels and she wasn't going to shed. On. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Louboutin.
2: Yeah, you were like, okay, I've walked a block in these high heels. We've done our part. I've showed off my shoes.
1: Yes, they should have stayed at home.
2: <laughs> yeah. So
1: you know we're pretty active, and you know we've raised our children to be mindful of, you know, social justice and everything that goes with it. So the other high I just want to bring up is, you know, my marriage of 43 years. Actually, it'll be 43 this November. So she did 43 years. Yeah.
0: Nick is a good catch, honey. You did good. Well, I mean, you're not so bad yourself now, but you know what I mean? Hello. (laughs) A match made perfectly.
1: It definitely was. You know, so again, that is something that's kept me, you know, he's kept me up and high and happy.
2: Well, you had a hit song that you wrote about your husband. Yeah.
1: Which one? I wrote a few.
2: Oh, you did? All the Man I Need?
1: That was written for me.
0: It was written for you. Yeah. And Nick, right.
1: And then uh, Whitney did it, I think, in 1989, something like that.
0: Wow. Yeah, and I listened to it recently, too, your version.
1: Did you? Michael and Dean, they wrote the soundtrack for the movie Fame. So when I worked with them to do Red Light, we got to be really good friends. And, you know, we're talking and, you know, I'm telling him about my love life and uh, this wonderful guy I'm married to. And he came to me a few days later and he had written this song. So it was great.
2: Wow. Cocktail break. We'll be right back. Well, let me ask you something. How did your singing career get to disco? What was that journey? I mean, you didn't start singing going, I'm going to sing disco. You you wanted to do other things. And it was, the disco age came along and you jumped on board. Or what was that journey?
1: When I was found by the record company, and I, and I say found, I really went and got them and made them come and listen to me. <laughs> I was doing a little bit of everything. I was singing jazz. I was doing R&B, dance music, and, um, and working nightclubs. You know, They came in. I got, managed to get this deal, and they said, okay, we're going to need the right songs, and this is what's happening now, blah, blah, blah. And we did the first album, which was called Linda, and we had tons of covers on that album, because we really didn't have the material. We didn't know what we were going to do. But then uh, somebody who worked in the office said, I have an idea for a song. And, and she said, remember the show Sweet Charity? And I thought, I, you can't do that. That would be sacrilege. You can't take this beautiful Broadway show to, you know, because I always wanted to do Broadway. And, and turn it into disco. You can't do it. And then they, of course, I was wrong.
0: that was a huge hit
1: oh my god they put the tracks down they put violins and they did the whole thing and they played it and I said oh my god that's my song that's my song and the other thing you know I did that movie I was in that movie Immediately when she said that, of course, my mind flashed back to you know uh shooting scenes, this scene and that scene, and when that song got played in the movie and everything. And I thought, no, we can't. But boy, was I wrong! And I'm so glad they didn't listen to me.
2: <laughs> yeah, because that was a it was a fun song, but it that was, was a big hit. And yeah. let me
0: tell you something that song that long playing version. <laughs> I was on that dance floor for 22 and a half minutes, man. And I didn't regret.
2: (laughs) You know, I have some 12 inch singles here and I know Linda is among them. I remember one of the covers for some reason. I'm thinking a red dress, but you know what? We'll post it on the website to go along and maybe a little clip or we'll send them to YouTube to listen to the song.
1: Wonderful. Wonderful. Well,
2: at least you can say you have 12 inches. Oh, (laughs) shit. In vinyl, no less. In vinyl. <laughs> Wrapped up <No>. in vinyl.
0: <laughs> A lot of people can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> the long playing version.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we'd like to talk to you about? How do you think the music industry has changed over the last 40 years?
1: Wow. First of all, the, you know it used to be 40 years ago that... Everything went through a major record label, Capitol Records, Warner Brothers, a big label. Now, more people are producing their own music and doing it and releasing things independently, which is not a bad thing because they actually get to uh, control their own music, which is great as long as they understand the business end of show business. And that's, you know, one of the things I like to tell young people, they don't call it show business for nothing. You got to know the business end of everything that's going on to be able to control your music, to be able to collect your publishing rights and, you know, know what you're supposed to get and what you're entitled to. Because, you know, very many people that I know... We weren't aware about publishing and all that. You know, that came later after we had been involved in it for a while because we were just so excited to have a record deal. Oh, my God, I got signed. You know, that was the big deal. But you could get signed and not get anything else. And that happened a lot.
2: I think you hit it on the head, though, Linda. They forget it's show business. I took a class from Peter Goover once, and he came in, and he said— Is the business called show-show? He said, no, it's called show-business. And he said, and you better remember the business part, because when you forget the business part, you will no longer be in it. I think we've done it. Unless, Linda, you have some story, some great story you would love to share with us that you have not shared much.
1: A great story.
2: Is there somebody you met, somewhere you went, something you did, some story that is amazing that you think Joey and I should know?
1: Oh, I can tell you about the first time I ever went into a woman's club.
2: There you go. We're in. Let's hear it. <laughs> was it here?
1: It was in New York. Okay. Okay. So uh, I'm like a kid in a candy store. My eyes are this big, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. I'm a star, right? So I'm in the limo. You know, we pull up in front of this, this club. And the woman who is with me is works for Warner Brothers. And she says, okay, now this club is different from the other club we went to. And I, I said, oh, okay, well, that's fine. She goes, no, 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 this club is different. It's a woman's club. And I said, oh, that's great. Well, duh. I had no clue what she was trying to tell me. We get out of the car and we walk in. Well, we get to the door and there's this woman there who is like the bouncer. And I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, I am going to die in this club tonight. I'm looking. Music's playing loud. Everybody's having a good time. And I realize, okay, there's no men in here. It's all women. And I'm seeing some gorgeous, gorgeous women. They're dancing. It's wonderful. They take me to the DJ booth. I'm in the booth, and I'm standing there like this. You know, I'm all, you know, curled up. And people start realizing, you know, and they can see in there and they realize that I'm in there. They play runaway love and people go nuts and they get on the floor and they're jamming and they're pointing at me and they're waving. Let me tell you, I had the best time in that club. I had so much fun and I'm standing there really grooving and in walks this crazy person with a tambourine And she's just going crazy, higher than anything, (laughs) having a great time. and, And the DJ says, that's Linda Clifford. That's Linda Clifford. And she's like, what? What? She's playing the tambourine in her own ear so loud she can't hear any conversation. So she finally says, oh, my God, I'm sorry. I didn't know. So she comes over, introduces herself. That woman became my best friend. And godmother to my children.
2: <laughs> the moral to the story is, go to a women's club. You can find your best friend. You can find your nanny. You can find everything you need right there. <laughs> yeah. Look within before you look out. Linda, what's next for you?
1: Now that things are starting to get better, I think, health-wise for the country, I'm starting to get a lot of calls about bookings for the summer. People will be going out a little more after everyone's vaccinated. and. Feeling better. I'll be out performing again. Touring, hopefully, is in the future, in the near future.
2: Linda, before we let you go, where can listeners find you on social media?
1: My website, thelindaclifford.com. And I'm, of course, Twitter and all the Instagram My kids put me on everything. (laughs) so (laughs) They go, Mom, you got to get with the program here.
2: (laughs) Linda, thank you for coming on. That was unbelievably fun.
1: Well, thank you.
2: Absolutely. And it
0: was so great to see you again. And you know I'm going to be seeing you in Chicago next
2: month. So get ready. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 We may need to do this again and have another Disco Diva on because – First of all, Linda is she couldn't be nicer. And she's so beautiful. Yeah. And she's had an incredible career. And she's just a good person. And yeah. and you know, we have some other friends just like her. Maybe we should have one of them on. Yeah, I agree. Listen, don't
0: forget to follow us on social media, please. We'll be posting recipes, photos,
2: and links. From each episode, f- just for you. If you like what you are listening to, please share with your friends. It's most important. I have friends calling me, telling me loved it, loved it, loved it. I said, great, share it with your friends, and I'm like share it with my friends. My like, friends, yes, share. <laughs> yes, no friends. <laughs> but also do us a really big favor as
0: well. Message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email questions. We love questions, even if even if they're for Joey and especially for Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Email them to contact at twoguysfromhollywood.com. Talk to you soon.
2: Two Guys from Hollywood is hosted, created, and produced by Alan Nevins and Joey Santos. Produced by Lauren Boone. Editing and post-production by Nathan Moody. Music by Luca. Executive produced by Dan Patrick. It is also executive produced by Paul Anderson and Nick Panella for Workhouse Media. This podcast is a production of Renaissance Literary and Talent and Dan Patrick Productions in association with Workhouse Media. Two Guys from Hollywood is a production of iHeartRadio and the Dan Patrick Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.